in shape, y'all. Uh, uh, in shape, y'all. Uh, uh, in shape, y'all. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome to In Shape with Sherelle Brown. Thank you for joining me today. Today I have an amazing guest from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Before we get into that guest, make sure you go check out some of my previously recorded podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and more. I'm your host, Sherelle Brown. I've been in the fitness world since 1997 with a degree in exercise science and kinesiology from Western Michigan University. I've worked with professional athletes, college athletes, up-and-coming track stars, celebrities, and more. Make sure you check out my website at www.shapebybrown.com. All right. Now, once you get into it with the guest that I have today for you, this guy, boy, he wears many, many, many hats. He hails from Grand Rapids, Michigan. He's in the foster care world. He's the activist world. He's a trainer. He's a father. He's he's so much. I'm not doing it justice. It's giving him this uh, the titles that he endures. But let's bring on Julian Goodson. Hey, what's up, my man? How you doing? Hey, Sherelle. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate you. Oh man, it's it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you on. Now, just want to let everyone know, boy, just a brief intro on what you're doing right now and uh, just give us a little uh, information on you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it just depends on the day as far as like what title I'm uh, going to be, what platform I'm going to be speaking from. You know what I mean? It comes from... uh, Today I'm I'm a coach, and then I might leave a gym and walk into another gym to train, and then I might leave that that gym to to uh, to go to a speaking engagement that's going to involve a, a a bunch of kids that need to uh, to learn how to uh, a bunch of parents that learn how to that need to learn how to you know parent uh, kids that come from traumatized backgrounds. Um, you know, it might be a community event where I walk in and I'm like, hey, I think uh, something like this might be good for our community as far as uh, sports and uh, reaching kids from hard to reach uh, places and things of that nature. So um, I just kind of follow my passion and, and it helped me uh, walk through some doors that that uh, I seem to have fun in. Man, that's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, just hats goes off to you. I want to give you your flowers and roses that being able to just care for children. Now, let's just take it back. You know, what was your challenges growing up in Grand Rapids? Oh, man, it was, you know, it was just setting the table for you, setting the scene. It was early or I say late 80s, early 90s. You know, that whole crack epidemic type thing. I was the youngest of four. And uh, it was a lot of turmoil in my home, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my mom died at a young age. I was 14 years old when I lost her. Um, and my dad worked road construction um, over on the east side of the state. So it kind of left me to fend for myself in the middle of uh, southeast Grand Rapids, which felt like a war zone sometimes. You know, just getting to school was challenging. 
Um, so about halfway through my high school career, I would say my junior year of high school, um, my aunt, my aunt and uncle took me in. Um, and they, they kind of saw like what was happening with, with me and I could have went a, a lot of different ways, but my aunt and uncle took me in. And um, when that happened, my, my world changed. Like I went from like fending for myself and raising myself to having structure um, again. And, uh, you know, a father, a mother and a father figure that, that kind of taught me uh, the things as far as what you needed to do every day to become successful. Um, I graduated from high school, put myself through college. And then um, I always told myself that if I had the opportunity to uh, to do what my aunt and uncle did for me as an adult, that I would. Um, and then I became a, a foster parent as soon as I was able. And 18 placements later, here I am. Wow, amazing story, man. Rest in peace to your mom. And um, just want to say many blessings to your aunt and uncle that took over and took over that role and uh they definitely had a big influence in your life and it shows that what you're doing is just amazing and uh you're, you're paying it forward oh yeah yeah i mean it, the the beauty about that sherelle is that when i landed with them i, I landed in, in a home full of educators like my aunt was a, a principal in a Grimes public school district for you know 20 years and my uncle was a uh, an advocate and a counselor for Grimes Community College for 30. So they were no nonsense, man. I'm talking about when I got home from school, it was like, hey, pull it out, get it done. And she had to, <laughs> my aunt had this saying like, boy, you got to do what you got to do so you can do what you want to do. Amen. And that, that, stick, that stick with me even today. So when I'm, when I'm working with the youth and I'm, I'm teaching a class or whatever, that you know, the, her her voice is with me. She's like, hey, and I tell the students the same thing. Like, you got to do what you got to do so you can do what you want to do. Wow, that is an amazing quote. That's something that you definitely need to have on your wall for sure. Yep. Wow. So did you play sports in uh, high school? And uh, how far did you go with all of that? I, I played sports in high school, basketball and baseball. Um, and I really never really went any further than that. Um, be, probably because of all of the the neglect that I kind of experienced as, as a high school youth. Um, but the, the disciplines that, that I learned while, while playing those high school sports would, would kind of set me up for later. Um, I was kind of a late bloomer as an athlete. I always call it 13th grade. <laughs> I wish <laughs> I wish I had that extra year. You know, when you graduate from, you know, you graduate from high school at 17 years old yeah. and all of a sudden you sprout up like that happened to me. So, you know, from a basketball perspective, I got a lot better after high school. Um, I flirted with uh, with playing uh, basketball at a uh, fair state university for a little bit. Um but at the same time, I was about to become a, a very young dad at 19 years old. My daughter was born um, and it was time for me to uh, make a choice, either follow this basketball dream or become a father. So I chose a father route and hey. uh, it's still paying off to this day. 
That's an amazing route to take. Fatherhood, there's, there's no better reward that's given to us. And uh, you definitely stepped up to the plate. Now, it shows that you have this book that yeah. you've written. And I want to know what was your inspiration on writing this book? And tell us the, the name of the book. The name of the book is called uh, Thoughts of a Foster Dad. Um, I don't think I ever set out to become an author so much as that I, I know I wanted to write a book. And I don't know if that makes sense to anybody, but it does to me. Um, at the time, I think I was being affirmed by uh, my peers when I would go into circles and I would speak to either foster care agencies or I would like conduct a training with some parents, things of that nature. And uh, I had a, a handful of peers that, you know, on a professional level tell me like, Julian, your experiences are, are helping people. You should write a book. And when I heard them, you know, speak on that for like, I think I heard it like two or three times, uh, Sherelle, and probably like, like one week, like somebody told me the same thing. So wow. then I would, that, that night, that night I went home and I, and I would outline what would become uh, thoughts of a foster dad. And then something really, really, really strange happened during the process of this book, which is, it's kind of like a lot of personal stories of, of my life revolving around foster care is that it became extremely therapeutic so when i started writing the content for this for this thing it, it became extremely emotional and i knew i was on to something when i would get done with a chapter i would reread it and i would just sob because i was kind of playing out all of my traumas and whatnot that i had as a as a youth and it kind of prepared me to to kind of parent the kid that that I used to be that I would actually bring into my home. So my experiences kind of helped set the table for like who I would actually help to to parent later in life. Wow, so that's, that's the premise of the book. Um, yeah, and it's called Thoughts of a Foster Dad. Wow, where, where can I get that book at? You can get it on... Uh, on Amazon, you can find it on Amazon.com, or you can just uh, go to our uh, personal uh, uh, Facebook page, which is Thoughts of a Foster Dad. Uh, message me on there, and I'll make sure you uh, you get a copy of it. Amazing, amazing story, amazing story, and definitely I will uh, share that information to my viewers. Now, if you could add one more chapter to your book, what would it be? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, I think I would add. Oh, you stopped me with that one. Um, I think, <laughs> I think, I think I would add like, like a like a almost like a where are they now? Uh, where are they now? Chapter. Ooh, fire! Yeah, fire. like a where, like a where are they now? Like. Where did, where did they start and where did they end up? And um, just kind of like, uh, I'll give you an example. Like I finished the book four or five years ago. Um, and at that time 
at that at that time we had adopted two two children um and and since then i adopted one more um out of all of the placements that we had 17 of them were were boys they were all teenage boys which is really unheard of in the foster care um so the 18th placement was a girl who i actually adopted who who looks a lot like my biological daughter which which probably plays a role into how how i bonded with her so quickly because she looks like me um so in doing so like a where are they now segment is like she came in as as a seventh grader and never and i knew she was kind of an athlete but we kind of had to help her with her academics and we had to help her with like learning how to uh be a, a responsible young lady in the community um and to control her emotions so once we were actually able to kind of get a handle on that uh you know fast forward to her senior year and now she's entertaining um multiple scholarship offers so uh, to put basketball on the next level that's that's a feather in everyone's cap not just not just hers, not just mine. It's a whole village of people that stepped up and and took a girl that was probably going to age out of the system, and and gave her a, a sense of purpose and belonging and family and and mentorship and guidance and all of the stuff that you need to be successful. Um, that's a where that's a where you now. So I guess if I was going to add a chapter to my book. It would be the the Mimi Goodson experience as far as like chapter 16 would be would start out with Mimi Goodson, how I uh and how we did that. So that is amazing. Amazing. I mean, wow, the the influence that you have and the giving back is is tremendous. And uh definitely applaud you for that. Thanks, man. Now, I appreciate it. You you just you you have all of these different hats. You you're the author, speaker, community activist. Mm-hmm. Now you are also a coach. Tell us yeah. about that. Yeah. So uh, probably about eight nine years ago. No, longer than that. Longer than that. A little over a decade ago, I uh, I walked into a gym, um, and a buddy of mine. Uh, you know him. I think you went to high school with him, Larry Copeland. Uh, yeah. He walked in. I walked into the gym, and uh, it was a bunch of girls in there that just flat out didn't know how to dribble, Sherelle. They just they they it was bad news bears basketball style. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked in there, and I walked in there, and, and one of the girls I I knew, and she said, "Coach." I mean, she didn't call me coach. She's called me. Mr. J, like Mr. J, can you uh, can you teach like can you teach me how to do this drill? They were doing the drill, um, and I I broke I broke the drill down and realized that I had eleven girls looking up at me, hanging on every word, and I was like, wow, I I, I kind of like this. This this is cool. Yes, um, sir. I ain't think nothing of it. I left. Well. Like I came back two days later, and the coach that was supposed to coach him stepped down, um, and then they just I just kind of fell into the role, um, and I loved it, uh, and I never, never thought that I would actually need as many patients as I have to coach girls middle school basketball, but, 
but it, it became it became a blessing in disguise because it would really set me up for all of the stuff that I'm doing now. So fast forward now, and I'm uh, knee deep in uh, in high school basketball coaching and travel basketball culture pertaining to the girls' game, who who in my opinion needs to get way more recognition than they, than they receive. So. Um, it's just uh, helping and shaping, you know, young young women to find their identity through the game, and then uh, help them become the best version of themselves. I just use the uh, I use I just use the game to do it. Man, that is amazing! Finding your identity through sports, yeah. and so your company is called Goodson Training. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, so I fell into that. I fell into that. And, and I love telling this story. Um, I have this uh, this young lady that that I was trained that I was coaching on travel ball circuit. And uh, it's funny how like business kind of falls right in your lap. But this is exactly how it happened. So um, tra- I, I coached this young lady in the travel ball situation. She came to me in the eighth grade. Um, and she came to me, uh, her mom came to me and said, um, I need you to kind of teach her the point guard role. She's going to be a point guard for her school. So I told her, well, bring your daughter to practice 20 minutes early. And she didn't know how to actually dribble going left. So I had to script the dribble just so she can like get into like our offense she can get us into our offense um so the funniest part about that is that during the game like she would go through this scripted dribble even if it wasn't nobody gardener so imagine her going two times to the right crossover two times to the left behind the back two times to the right spin and throw the ball with nobody gardener is the funniest thing in the world but she did <laughs> and that's wow. how she put it to our offense right so um, she, her mom saw the improvement of that. And then all of a sudden she was like, uh, you know, uh, Julian, coach, can you can you train my kid? And I'm like, well, well, yeah. You're like, you know, she she seems to be a, a, a cool young girl. Yeah, bring, bring her in. And then mom saw it, said something that just made my jaw drop. She said, well, how much do you charge? And I said, uh, I, I don't know, twenty dollars, <laughs> you know, what I mean? like because it was it was foreign to me at the time. This had right. six seven years ago, so I hadn't even thought about something like that. So for the next for the next you know four or five years, this little girl was attached to me at the hip. She got to high school. She made the JV team as a freshman. Tenth uh, grade, she cracked the, the varsity starting lineup. 11th grade, she was all conference. Uh, 12th grade, she was all state. Uh, she was all state. Um, and then uh, signed a full ride to uh, Aquinas College. Um, now, what I did was I, I would start out every training session with this girl uh, with a, a set of what I call stationary ball handling drills. Um, and the thing about it is that every trainee that I have that comes into my uh, into my building to 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 start every 
every training session, they go through these set of ball handling drills. And I call them Jordan drills. And when everybody seems to think that I'm actually talking about Michael Jordan, and I'm not I'm talking about Jordan Wig. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because Jordan Wig was the one that I actually taught all of this stuff to. So is I like telling that story because it, it really just goes to, to you know if you put the if you put the time in and you I got this moniker like grind now shine later you gotta you gotta put the time in yeah. it's all about the grind it's all about the grind your your shine might only last five minutes but I know in a training session you 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 do the move a hundred times so that when you actually get on stage you only need to do the move one time in order to get the shine. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely. You have that right. Definitely. The, um, what you're saying is, is uh, I see a passion that developed. And, and my saying is, once you're in your passion, you never work a day in your life. Bruh, that's it right there. Like, um, I, I, I knew I, I loved the write and I, and I love, uh, you know, poetry and the spoken word piece and all of that stuff. And I had no idea that something like that would uh would turn into a book you know I, I like young people in the classroom i was never a teacher i never went to school to become a teacher um as a matter of fact i got a i got a background in business and project management so you would think how did this guy with a business degree and a project management background become a basically a school teacher that worked with at-risk youth and it's just really just following my passion. So that's kind of, yeah. kind of how, I, how I broke all of that stuff down. That doesn't necessarily mean that the business acumen or the hustle side of me ever went away. Um, yeah. And so I just I just use that that fuel. So anything I like, uh, I, I try to uh I try to like chase it with both hands and catch it and then use it to my advantage so that it takes care of me and my family. Man, that's amazing. You're definitely on the right track and uh, it's been a, a blessing to, to so many youth and we need so many more soldiers like you on the ground. And uh, I just want to thank you. Now, people can reach you through Facebook, uh, they can buy your book on Amazon.com. How do they catch you for some training? Uh, goods and training is www.goodsandtraining.org. Um, as far as like booking me for speaking engagements, you can come through me at uh at Thoughts of a Foster Dad on Facebook. I got an Instagram uh, for goods and training too. Um, I haven't even quite figured all of this thing all of these things i'm just moving my feet man so when hey. the ring is like hey, hey i got an opportunity and i'm gonna look at it and say okay do i want to do that yep I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and do that that's amazing that's amazing now you have uh, a bunch of outlets to to get to you um i will share that with my crowd i've uh interviewed a lot of different uh, people from entertainers to athletes. Being in Los Angeles, I'm able to to reach quite a lot of people and uh, train quite a lot of individuals. So uh, definitely will reach out to my network and um, see how 
we can help you out too as well. And I definitely would like to just thank you for your time this morning and uh, for coming on the show. Hey, I appreciate you, man. Um, hey, and you've been an inspiration to a whole lot of people uh, back here in West Michigan, man. So keep uh, keep up the good work and, and showing us how, how to be done. I got a lot to learn from you, bro. Oh, man, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, man. So going to end the show, you guys, ladies and gentlemen. Next week, I have coming on the show is an author, another author here with a book called Cultural Adaptation, Benjamin Long. We will speak to him in Los Angeles. So thank you guys for listening and have an amazing day and stay in shape.